Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I think in, at some point, God has to, he does this with all of us. He has to get you out of your own way. <laughs> Ooh, I'm, it's a difficult job being God. I, God bless him, okay? God, God bless himself. I feel like we are in a transitional space where we have to build our confidence in God that everything that has happened to us happened for us, that everything that he, that will ever happen in your life, he only allowed it because he can use it for your good. It all ties back to Romans eight twenty eight, And I feel like so many people are testimony and blessing focus that they forget that the test has to be a part of the story, that it has to be a part of the story everyone just wants to let's skip to the good part you want to get to the part that you're like okay give me the blessing give me the kingdom give me the real estate give me the promotion give me all the things but I really don't want to stay in the test portion you know where they look over me where they were undervaluing me where I was trying my best but my best just didn't feel like enough that no matter how many applications I sent out no job was calling me back that the singlehood portion it just was not given what I would have liked it to give that the times that I was waiting for a financial miracle, I, I felt like I stayed in that season too long. And everyone is trying to press fast forward on the discomforts and the inconveniences, but no one understands that that is the best part. It really is. Like I really had that download, like skipping to the good part. You're actually skipping the good part. It, it imagine watching a movie and as soon as it started playing it was like okay we met the characters okay they started doing you know little character development things and then it fast forward and then the guy got the girl and then they got the house and then they had and then it ended it would be like huh I mean, the whole purpose of why we love some of our favorite, you know, movies and love sappy romantic ones is because there was a connection in the character de development portion. There was a connection where we felt, I mean, imagine the movie Up with the balloons. Imagine we met the, you know, the guy and the girl and it was like, yay. And then all of a sudden we saw him as this. Uh, you know, the grumpy man with the dog and then it kind of just, you know, it fast forwards to, to it being the end. We would be missing the best part. So if we don't enjoy that with movies, if we don't enjoy that with songs, if we don't enjoy that in the things that actually not only entertain us but teach us, then why do we want that for our lives? Why do we send prayers and requests to God that looks a lot like I don't want to stay in this portion of the story anymore I want you to hurry up to the part that I deem to be the best that I deem to be the whatever fill in the blank and it's like do you understand that just like a movie some of this is character development but it's not just for you to be blessed it's for somebody else to be blessed by your testimony do not rob yourself of the jewels that come with the test do not rob anyone else from the encouragement and inspiration 
that comes from your particular story. Everyone is not looking at a sermon. Everyone is not listening to the Bible app. Everyone, some people are just real life, just watching you. And that's inspiration enough. And as long as you're living for God, then they're reading the Bible because if you're walking out God's kingdom, then they are seeing God's pretty much his heaven on earth. You know, let your will be done as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. You see what I'm saying? Like there's some things that we don't understand. Like it's not all about you. And I feel like in order to build character, to build confidence in God and within yourself and with God, that we have to get to a place that we start to realize this is all a part of the story And this is the most important part of my story. So I don't want to rush this. I don't want to use, you know, spiritual temper tantrums to try to get God and try to bargain with God. Like, listen, if you do this and I'll do that. And if, and if I stop doing this, then can you do that? Or you, you try to go ahead and just forget it. I just want to give up, but you know, darn well in your spirit, in your soul, you are not trying to give up. You're trying to go ahead and build a case of emotion. Like God, you know, listen, I'll walk out that door. I'll do such and such. Listen, you can threaten all the people on earth like that, but you can't threaten the one who made you like that. That that's actually bargaining. And you cannot emotionally bargain with God. So if that's where any of your spiritual maturity is at, I'm going to need you to bring it up a couple of notches. And that's between you and the Lord. I came for you a little bit, but not too much. But here's where all this was coming from. You know how back in the days, Grandma had us read Psalm 23 and we had to memorize it? Mm-hmm. And then when you walked in Grandma's house, some of the Bible was open up on that particular one. You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and if nothing at all, you felt like a good grandbaby scholar because you knew some of Psalm 23. You know, if nothing at all, the first stanza, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. Okay. When you went to seminary and kindergarten, <laughs> you understand? Like it felt some kind of way. And I feel like I got a completely different revelation on Psalm 23. I really truly believe that as God is strengthening your spiritual muscle, that he will also unlock different layers of revelation. And I feel like in this season, I am really starting to get to the place that I see rejection as a gift. I am getting to the portion of my life that I am understanding that when man rejects you, God is getting ready to elevate you. It re- I mean, every time that I have read some of the greats, Steph Curry, oh, they were like, oh, the dub nation, they've, you know, it's ruined. The dynasty is over. It's over for them. Yeah. And then people started, you know, the bandwagon got a little lighter. People were jumping off of it and, you know, just, but then guess what? They came back and it came back super strong, but there's every time I looked, Mike Tyson had that little bit of a fall and then he came back and every time that I traced, you know, at one point they wanted Jesus to be his king and they were like, oh, you know, you're just the greatest. And he was like, mm, nope, let me just slip through this crowd real quick. Every time that there was a just a obvious trajectory, pendulum swing, it was like, wait a minute. At, wait, back then. Yeah, I didn't want me, but now I'm hot. <laughs> you all up on me, but almost like the reverse. Like the, everyone's like, yay, hooray. And then, then they start booing you. And it's like, you go from being loved to being canceled. And it's like, wait a minute, but I'm starting to see 
that 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 kind of works for you. And and I'll tell you why I, I looked at it that way. I actually see David in such a different light. I don't know why the Holy Spirit wanted me to see this in Psalm 23, but I know that it was very much uh, required because the way that it pulled me to this phone, I could not deny it. Some, you know how sometimes you have to like, oh, I'll just call tomorrow. It was like, I need you to stop what you're doing. I need you to go ahead and have this conversation. So I was like, oh, I will. And I'm going to start from the very beginning. I was initially reading Psalm 77. And I was like, because, you know, David... King David, he wrote the Psalms. And I'm going to be honest, when I was reading it, I was like, yo. And I literally wrote this in my journal when I was having my quiet time. I said, David was so dramatic. I mean, the things that he would say, the, the limps that he would go to, it was like, I feel like he had his you know, the back of his hand on his forehead. And I feel like he was biblical OG, woe is me. Like, I'm going to just give you a little bit of Psalm 77. <laughs> I was like, uh, it starts out, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord all night long. I prayed with lifted hands toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan overwhelmed with him longing his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. Pause. I'm like, uh, <laughs> David, why are you so emo? I mean, you are giving very much call, Thomas. Like, <laughs> David, you are very emotional. And then I promise you, as fast as I could write it, digest it, laugh about it, and go, oh, okay, and, and then think something else. Once I got back into the house, because I was having my quiet time outside, once I got back in the house, God was like, but you got to understand how David, like where he came from, how he was raised. And I felt me wanting to lean in, like, what you mean, Lord? He was like, well, David was a little bit, yeah, he may have been extremely emotional, but that's because he didn't have an emotional connection to his family. And I was like, you're right. He's like, yeah, when the prophet Samuel came to go ahead and anoint, like I told him to, I said, going out to Jesse's house, Samuel had to ask Jesse, do you have any other sons? I was like, okay. So there's clearly some discord between he and his father that it was like, yeah, I have an extra son, but he's out, you know, doing the shepherd thing, like whatever. And then there was some traceable discord between his brothers and David. When he had went ahead and was sent by his father to, you know, go fetch your brother, <laughs> go get these uh, crackers and cheese and all these other things. I want you to do, you know, the David DoorDash real quick. And I want you to go send your brother some some food. His brothers were like, especially Eliab was like, why are you here? You just came down here to start trouble. So there was clearly some discord between his brothers, too. And from the portions of the Bible that I read, I don't really read too much of how David's mother and him got along or if there were any connection from that. All I really truly knew about David was that he was handsome, like the Bible said, and, you know, tall, dark, doing all the things, and that he was a shepherd. So I kind of felt, can I be honest, I felt something. I was like, ooh, 
Maybe I made a comment too quick. And God was like, that's what most humans do. Humans are so quick to look at the aftermath or the surface or a segment of someone's life and label them, period, uh, for their whole entire life. You saw a portion of this man and was like, he's dramatic. But you never took the time to look back to see why. And then I felt led to go back to Psalm 23. I said, okay. Because then I said, but God, you called David a man after your own heart. And I know just on a psycho psychology level that someone who has a disconnect with their primary guardians, with their nuclear family, which is your brother, sisters, you know, everyone that's in the house that you grew up in. When there's a disconnect there, people usually have a hard time connecting emotionally and socially. So the fact that most women that have daddy issues, and this is, I'm raising hand, usually have a hard time understanding father God, because you have no idea what that looks like. You don't have the father on earth. So you're like, uh, so you have to be taken through this beautiful course that God will lovingly and gently take you on where he shows you what a good, good father is so that when that song comes on, you're not just singing lyrics, you're singing from experience. Yet there is something about God knowing where you came from and knowing, mm -mm, I know how to be gentle enough to reveal myself to you. And most of the time that happens right in the center of your rejection. So with that particular premise in mind and that framework in play, I'm going to give you the revelation that I received about Psalm 23. So here goes. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. Pause. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. See, the thing about David's life and his origin, or at least when he was a teenager from what we can go ahead and develop in 1 Samuel, it truly is a blessing that his father rejected him to the point that all he saw David's value in was being a shepherd. The rest of the brothers were in the army. They were with Saul. They were doing all the manly things, but it was like, eh, you, David, you go ahead and be a shepherd. But the beauty of that rejection is that is exactly how David built his confidence in God. Because it was easy for David to say, yo, the Lord is my shepherd. Why was that so easy? Because David's profession was being a shepherd. And he understood how, what a good shepherd was. He understood that shepherds, you know what? They let you rest. They bring you beside peaceful streams. They make sure that you have all that you need. You will never, ever, ever feel like you're in danger. There is like, there is some things about being a shepherd that once David was able to meet God in that way, he was like, wow, it's, I, I'm so glad that David didn't have the experience where he said, you know, God is like, is like a father because David's father didn't set the, uh, the tone for what a good father is. I'm glad he didn't say God is like an older brother. No, because he didn't really have that good experience either. I am so glad 
that what his father tried to go ahead and do was reject him to a lower, lower, lower profession. Because Shepard in that culture wasn't like, oh, well, you're doing well for yourself. It was looked at as dirty, you know, just like, hey, you're, you're over there kind of thing. It wasn't something to be glamorous about. You did not want people to know or did you want it to be on your resume that you used to be a shepherd. Shepherds were only respected among shepherds in that culture. And so for David to meet God in that way, that he was like, God, I know what it feels like. It's almost like that that soldier, right? Where he came to Jesus and was like, listen, I need you to heal one of my men. And Jesus was like, cool, I'll come to their house. And he was like, uh-uh, listen, I know how this works. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not worthy for you to come to my home. But I know that if you just say the word, because I have that authority, I understand what it is to just to say something. When I tell someone to go, they go because I have that authority. So I know that if I have that authority, you have that authority. So Lord, if you can just send the word, I know he will be healed. And Jesus looked at him like, bro, I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. I feel like that is a perfect depiction of how David sees, sees God. He was like, wait a minute. I know what it is to be a good shepherd. I know what it is to give your life. And I was like, how do I know that David knew what it is to be a good shepherd? Because when I went back to first Samuel 17 and Saul was trying to get him to like, all right, listen, I don't want you to do this thing with Goliath because he's been a, he's been fighting like this in the army since youth and buddy. I, I do not think that you should do that. Here's what David responded as. So first Samuel 17, you know, I read an NLT version. So 34. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Pause. So the fact that David knew, I have put my life on the line for my sheep. I have went ahead and anything that tried to get in the way of my sheep being safe. Because sheep are very timid. Anything that got in the way of trying to separate my flock. Because my father trusted me with these sheep and these goats. So anything that tries to go against the plan of me keeping everything together, me being a good steward over these people, these sheep, me doing what I'm supposed to do as a shepherd, we're going to have some problems. So the fact that David was never able to look at anyone as his protector, his earthly father wasn't doing it, his older brothers weren't doing it, but that he understood how to protect sheep, it is nothing but beautiful that he was able to say, on the starting stanza, the Lord is my shepherd. I may not have anyone that was protecting me at the time. I may not have anyone that was even wanting to recall me or, or, or even try to see if I had the skills to be in the army too. I may not have been the first choice because I'm the last child. I may, I may have been last in my father's mind, but I'm first in my, in my new dad's mind. So God, I, I graciously and easily put you in a place that I've never had occupied before. You're my shepherd. I have all that I need. Wow. But he could only get that 
in the center of rejection. He can only get that by knowing what it was to be a shepherd in the first place. He can only get that by seeing literally what it feels like to rest in green meadows and be led beside peaceful streams. I said, that is beautiful. Let's continue. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Mm. Four, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I honestly feel like this was the depiction of Goliath. Because honestly, again, he was only sent down to go fight Goliath. Um, he wasn't even supposed to fight Goliath. He was only sent down to where Saul and him were at because his father told him to go ahead and send some food to his brothers. <laughs> that was the only reason. There was no other reason outside. Send this food. Give me a good report. Come back to your father and tell him all that happened. But the fact that David knew you guide me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. He knew nobody but God set that up. <laughs> nobody but God. And even when I walked through the darkest valley, hmm, where was Goliath? Taunting 40 days and 40 nights. And they were scared and they were like, ooh, I don't know what to do. And then David came on the scene and it was like, who's this Philistine? And it got his attention. Mm -mm. But before any of that happens, how does verse 3 start off? He renews my strength. Yeah, because while the brothers were being taunted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was being a good shepherd, having all that he needs, finding rest in the green meadows, being led beside peaceful streams. Isn't it hilarious when people think they're not talking to you no more or they do something that is an act of rejection? They don't realize they just brought you closer to peace. Finally, <laughs> some of the noise stops. Some of the begging stops. Some of the, hey, last minute can you do for me stops. Like people don't understand that sometimes – your rejection is a blessing to me. Hmm? Oh, I'm so glad they didn't give me that job. Because the level of hours that you got to go ahead and, and the way that they speak to people and you got to bite your tongue because now you got higher salaries. Mm -mm, they can go ahead and miss me on that. I'm not going to hold you. He renews my strength, verse 3. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. I want to highlight. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. I truly believe that God would have never allowed Okay, uh, David to be at the right place at the right time if he wasn't the right person. Because for so, it was so much banking on David. You got to understand at this point, Samuel already came to the situation that it was like, all right, so God said, you know, go ahead and anoint David. So we can't do anything that looks like is getting ready to bring uh, embarrassment to David. But bigger than that, it can't go back to bringing uh, shame to God. So many times we're trying to wonder in our life and double check and is this the right path? And how do I know that I, this is what I'm supposed to do? And, and, and try to get all these confirmational pieces. And we're scared because what if we make a mistake? Sweetheart, um, sir, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now it's bigger than you. The path that you are led on has nothing to do with whether you chose correctly or not. That's not the, the bottom sentiment of it all. What it really is about is 
God has to get the instructions and the clarity and the revelation to you because the path that he takes you on, it brings honor to his name. And I don't know if you ever noticed, but he's not about to embarrass himself. When God gets the glory, yet other people are able to, it's like faith is contagious almost. Like, man, I was believing for that, and this person is believing for way bigger than me, and look how God moved in their life, so I'm going to go ahead. And and so you start to almost get like a, a extra flame in your faith because someone else got blessed, and it literally can be a domino effect in the spirit. But I want to alleviate the pressures of, but God, I don't want to make a mistake. Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, let's just move all of that out the way because then that's bringing honor to you. That's saying you chose correctly, you knew what to apply for, you knew what to look for in a spouse, you knew who to look for in a coach, you knew what conference to go to, and at the end when someone asks, man, how did you go ahead and blah, 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 it all points back to you. Man, you know what? I just went on and I said, you, I'm going to just go ahead and do, and I just I grind, and I, and I, 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 and I, 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 and God is like, oh. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking for a litmus test that looks a lot like, mm, how do I know that is God? Does it point back to him or does it point back to you and your networking and your education and your accolades and everything that you can do in your own strength? So now you have to make sure you keep it together and you, 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 if it points back to you, then it's probably not him. Hmm? Yeah, because he guides me along right paths. David was like, listen, I didn't know nothing about no Goliath. As a matter of fact, I was picking up um, sheep dung. <laughs> I was like, Hey, uh, uh-uh, no, ma'am. <laughs> you know, talking to the sheep because that's how we speak to all, you know, other furry families. And that's just what it is. And that's that on that. And then pops was like, yo, go ahead and bring this tuna sandwich and some cheese and some crackers down. And you were like, Oh, okay. And so listen, he didn't got himself there. I'm sure David would have not preferred to go ahead and leave sheep and ask another shepherd. Hey, I know I asked you for a favor last Friday, but you think you can go ahead and do me a solid? Like, I'm sure he didn't want to do that. But you know what? This What's this whole thing about? It's about God leading you down the right paths. Because who could have set that up? It was a perfect stage. At the very moment that David shows up, then he has to go ahead and hear Goliath taunting. Then he like, who that is? <laughs> who are you talking to? You know, time out. What we get? Oh, we get our taxes exempt. And what else? Uh, it's all these things. Bro, I done walked into a situation. Like, okay. Um, all I know how to do is, you know, chip the tooth of lions and stuff like that. But I'm sure that if I was able to do that, that, you know, um, if God did it then, then he can do it now. If God did it then, then he could do it now. But you want to rush through that test. It's uncomfortable. No, but most of the time, that's what God, like, lets you meet him. Like, that's where you are your most unveiled. Like, sometimes in, in those situations, when there's no distractions and you may not be in your ideal place, but God is like, I finally got you to myself. Hi, I'm your dad. Yeah, me. Yeah, Father God. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did Jesus think you like, you like my work? <laughs> yeah. Listen, I love you. 
And I'm going to do everything in my power to protect you like you've never been protected. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you understand how loved you are. I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that the mission that I have for you on earth, that I will complete and finish my work. I'm going to surround you with good people. I'm going to make sure that whatever it is that you've been struggling with, no, 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 we're not going to just, I'm not going to keep promoting you with that pain. I'm going to sit you down and I'm, I'm going to actually just, I'm going to heal that for you. And if you allow me the time and the space to introduce me and everything that I'm about, which is wholeness, righteousness, and everything that you've been reading about or may have heard about, I want to be that in real life for you in your life. You want to do that? Oh, okay. Well, hi. You want a hug? <laughs> like, what you comfortable with? Because I'll meet you where you are, but you can't stay the way you are once we get to know each other. Cool? We going to shake on it? Okay, but you can't see me, though. <laughs> you know, you can't see me yet, but, but I will make sure that my presence is forever known. Forever known in your life. I will change your palate so that you would want to pray. I would change it so that nothing on earth satisfies you until you understand who made earth. You will not find in another creation what the creator intended for you to get from him. Oh, there's something that you get. There's something that you get when the world just decides, eh, and God says, hey, yeah, behind every piece of rejection, there is a gift that was so expensive, the world was trying to distract you from it the entire time. Mm. But we got two more verses in Psalm 23. You ready? Okay. Five. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Pause. You remember what happened when Samuel went down to Jesse's house? He was like, um, oh, surely this is the brother. God was like, nope. He was like, okay. Uh, he did that seven times and then had to look at Jesse and say, okay, so God literally told me to go to Jesse's house and make sure that I anoint a son. I don't went through seven of these grandbabies. None of them are it. So what am I? Do you have any other sons? He was like, yeah, David, but um, he's, he's on the shepherd thing. He was like, we will not start the feast. We will not start the feast until he arrives. And look what that testimony produced in David. Five, you prepare a feast for me. In the presence of my enemies, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Man. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Do you understand how powerful that is? God, you didn't forget me. You remembered me. As a matter of fact, I'm so important to you. You put a whole feast together for me. I came in here smelling like feces from being a shepherd, and you were like, good, it's okay. We'll accept you as you are, and here's this feast for you, even while you smell like feces. Oh, how God loves you. 
depths of my heart, man, and that he knew you preparing this for me in the midst of people who don't care for me. People who didn't, I'm sure you had to ask, did he have another child? I'm sure he didn't volunteer that information to you, did he? There was something so beautiful about acknowledging (laughs) you did this for me, God, in front of them, and you honored me by anointing my head with oil. You honored me. Imagine being overlooked your whole life. Imagine never feeling that you were worth anything. Imagine the only thing that you could really connect to was your profession as a shepherd. And and finally, at the right time, God allowed you to be honored. Oh, to be honored. And your head is anointed with oil. And your cup overflows with blessings. But the last part, surely... Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why was that important to you, David? Because at a certain time you stopped residing in your father's home? Was it important to you because that's the first time that you really experienced unfailing love? Was that the first time that you were like, this is the first time that I feel seen remembered, cared for, honored, all of these verbiages. It's like, wow. But when I look at Psalm 23 now in this season of my life, and I look at where this was written from and maybe the heart posture that David had at that time, I wanted this to be a reminder that all rejection isn't to break you. Most rejection is because people don't understand the value of you. Imagine having the king in your backyard this whole entire time and putting more into your first seven children (laughs) than the last one because, you know, maybe he just can't get right in your mind. But this whole thing reads to me as the poster child for all rejection is in bad rejection. God can do some powerful things for you if your heart posture is in a place where you want to receive. Because out of all David's flaws and whatever else came after this and the whole Bathsheba thing, we're going to fast forward through that part. (laughs) He was known as a man after God's own heart. How, David? How could you do that after your father didn't show you what a heart was? We don't even know if your mother really helps you to understand your manly emotions. We know your brothers and y'all, y'all didn't have the best relationship. I didn't read that you had a mentor, a coach, you know, like an OG shepherd in the field. Like who taught you to pursue after yet another man that you didn't really have no real connection to? We don't know if, if you had a prayer life before then, but usually in human nature, it's hard to connect from someone where you had a series of disconnections with that same gender, with that same, if you had a problem with all the supervisors you've ever had, you have a chip on your shoulder that supervisors and you just don't get along. Let somebody have a bad experience with somebody born in a certain month and you'll just go ahead and say, I'm never dating anyone or getting close to anyone that was born in that month 
again. People are really quick to put up a formula to make sure that they'll never be hurt again. But for David to look at what his father did or did not do, what his brothers did or did not do, y'all did not even think enough of him to even say, hey, we have another family member, but you know, it's going to take some time. Are you willing to wait? Y'all didn't even mention his name. So how could he go from that to acknowledging in the first stanza of Psalm 23 verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need telling his life story in a capitalized couple of verses and then ending with surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That kind of confidence in God, that kind of confidence in what God has over your life and for your life and continues to have for the remainder of your life can only come from a place that nobody can't teach you about a God that you have not experienced for yourself. It's one thing to say, hey, I met this particular celebrity and I had this experience and it was awesome and blah, blah, blah. But until you meet that celebrity yourself, or hey, I had this particular meal at this restaurant and oh my goodness, it was blah, blah, blah. What's the first thing that someone wants to do? They're like, where? Where you went? Because I'm going to go ahead and eat there. I'm going to schedule this weekend. I'm going to just down the third. Like hearing someone's testimony and their great experience and all these other things, it makes you want to lean in and say, how can I get that for myself? And I want that for everyone. I want that for everyone. I want everyone to understand that the only way to get to the father is to literally accept Jesus Christ as your savior. I need everyone to really understand that. I don't want to get to heaven and not see the people that I love. I don't want to get to heaven and be like, Ooh, that mansion was great, but not see that I added to anybody else getting their mansion. I truly want to just have it where I dismantle the enemy's trickery of making anyone believe that nobody cares about you. No, no, no. God does. Yo, he let his only begotten son be crucified just so that you could have a relationship with him. And he rose again on the third day and he's in this seat of righteousness on the right hand side of God. But there's beauty. If you hear nothing else, and I know that you heard the Lord because the Holy Spirit told me there is beauty in rejection. And you will probably experience a few more doses of that, but you will always only feel that from man God literally loves you beyond comprehension everything that you're looking for in creation you can only get for the creator the consistency the reliability the loyalty the everything like you just like how come I can't just find because you're not gonna find it in man because it's already in God so my challenge to you, if you do not have a relationship with God in a way that you can literally write confidently, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, just ask God, can you unlock whatever next level I need to be on to see you differently because I want my confidence to be built in you. I understand that you literally return everything around for my good 
if nothing at all, Psalm 23 is a true depiction of, man, everything that ever happened to David, he was able to write it out and it did work out for his good. So wherever you're at in your life or in your walk with God or whatever it is, you just simply, you have not because you ask not, just ask God, like, yo, I want to unlock another level with you because I want all the pieces of my life to make sense. I don't want to feel like it was just one rejection after the other, after the other, after another insult. Like, I don't want to be the punching bag to the people that were closest to me. And I pray that God will give you your own personal Psalm 23 in a way that you can really write, wow, God has really done some awesome things in my life. And while it may not have felt good in the moment, I can see how he turned it from my good for life. Do you understand that? Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Mm, thank you, Lord. And I seal this prayer in the name of Jesus, through the blood of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, I feel like you got what you needed. This was good. Oh, I just feel Mm-mm. I feel like God is pleased and I am just, I'm happy. I am. But uh, created the number two, multiply. That's what I am on the YouTubes. Created the number two, multiply.com for all the things that are all the things. Don't forget the Patreon. When you go to patreon.com, it is strive, the letter N as in Nancy, inspire for the texting and the blogging community. And, um, I pray whatever heaviness that was on your heart that you will never feel it again because I really feel like that was God's intention for this phone call. And I'm just so elated that he chose me to do this. This is awesome. But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. You got YouTubes and all that stuff to look up. Okay? All right. Later. <laughs>